Welcome to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio, sponsored by EarthX, the world's largest environmental experience, and also sponsored by Natural Awakenings Magazine. Live your healthiest life on a healthier planet. Now here's your host, Bernice Butler. Welcome to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio. We're here to help you explore and understand the unbreakable relationship between your health and the health of the planet. We look at the hottest topics related to our environment and its sustainability and how they affect your health and wellness. Here, issues like climate change, plastic pollution, extreme weather events, and others will meet up with everyday impacts like allergies and asthma, digestive issues and gut health, cancers, lung and heart issues, and more. So listen in today as we interview experts for today's show on waste reduction, zero waste solutions, solutions to better your body and the planet. Now, during the month of December, we explored the environmental issue of waste production, the remedy of which is waste reduction or zero waste. Now, zero waste is a buzzword we've heard a lot about today. So what really is zero waste? Zero waste is a system that recycles our resources so that all products are reused. The goal is for no trash to be sent to landfills, incinerators, or the ocean. The big picture, the long-term goal, is to eliminate 90% of waste or more from landfills and incinerators. Now, this has many benefits because the way we manage our resources impacts the environment and our health on so many levels. According to the U.S. EPA, Nearly 40% of greenhouse gas emissions in this country are related to materials in the landfills and the management of those landfills. Zero waste redesigns our systems and resource use, from product design to disposal, in order to prevent and reduce resource consumption, in order to conserve energy, to mitigate climate change, to reduce water usage, to prevent the creation of toxins, and stop ecosystem destruction. Zero waste then captures our discards and uses them, instead of using more natural resources to make new products, creating far less pollution and feeding the local economy. Research shows that changing our waste systems to continuously conserve resources is extremely powerful for the economy as well. According to the TELUS Institute, recycling 75% of waste in the United States would create about 1.5 million jobs. In fact, for every 10,000 tons of garbage, only one job is created in a landfill compared to 200 times that many jobs in recycling, reuse, and repurposing. Building a zero-waste community is bigger than just changing our individual behavior, and it's bigger than just recycling or composting. Zero-waste addresses the entire social system of how we make, how we consume, and how we dispose of our stuff. 
Through local zero waste actions, we all can directly impact and positively impact the biggest global challenges of our time. That is climate change, human health risk, ecosystem collapse, and social and political conflicts over access to resources. Currently, our production system goes one way only, from the earth to the dump. We extract natural resources like trees, precious metals, and petroleum. Then we manufacture them, often through polluting toxic and wasteful practices, uh, making them into products designed primarily for convenience, and then they go to the dump. We distribute them to communities, often shipping them long, long distances from manufacturing to sale. And after we all buy and use these products, then we pitch them into a hole in the ground called a landfill, or we burn them in an incinerator, both of which destroy the value of those resources, created significant negative impacts on our health as well. When we need new products, we then just head back to the natural resources like they're infinite in supply, and we do that all over again. When we think about the problem of waste, we usually think about what's in our own garbage cans, and we focus on how to make that garbage or that waste go away. But in actuality, the waste you use and see in your trash can is only a small, small fraction of the real problem. For every can of garbage at the curb, there are 87 cans worth of other materials that come from that whole linear production system. In the past month, on Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio, we've looked at e-waste or electronic waste and how it results in health impacts associated with exposure to or ingestion of toxic metals and its residue. We've looked at waste disposal, primarily trash and debris, and how that adds to soil and ground contamination, as well as results in autoimmune diseases. We've looked at hazardous and toxic waste and the disposition problem that causes airborne and foodborne pollutants, as well as cancers, lung damage, and other issues. And we've looked at landfills and the leachate that it produces. That is that toxic, nasty stuff that leaches into our groundwater as well as producing methane gas. And so today's episode is going to focus in on some zero-waste solutions, creating a less wasteful planet and a more abundantly healthy body. Today we're going to look at some zero-waste solutions that are going on right here in the DFW Metroplex with one of our companies actually creating solutions across the globe. Our guests today are going to be Turn Compost and Strip Tire. Before we get to these two very exciting and interesting guests, let's go to a break. Welcome back to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio. Our guests today, both of whom are doing very interesting, novel, and significant things towards zero-waste solutions, are both local and both have some very interesting and unique models in order to 
what I like to make sure we say repurpose our waste. I think the typical words you throw out there are reduce, reuse, and recycle. But I think we need to always add that fourth one, repurpose. And so our first guest today is Blake Bassett with Steptire. Again, a very unique business model. Blake is currently managing partner and co-founder of Steptire. Steptire is trying to give hope traction by reprocessing or repurposing old car tires into soles for shoes. The mission of the company is not only to give hope traction, I like that traction as in tire traction, not only to give hope traction, but also to teach a man to fish by building self-contained manufacturing facilities that can be placed anywhere in the world to allow locals to learn how to make the soles and sell shoes. And prior to co-founding Steptire, Blake was a small business lender and investor in small companies. Welcome, Blake. Thank you so much for being with us, and I'm sorry that your partner could not join us. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Great. Like, can you start off by telling us what was the impetus for you all to start Steptire? What was the thing that said, we must do this? Yeah, so my business partner, we have a couple different businesses, but he had gone over with his father, who is very involved in an um, organization over in Uganda, and he went over there to help them. They have a medical clinic to get solar power, to get purified water. They were adding a sanitary septic system. And during their time over there, it really hit them that, you know, most of these kids and a lot of the adults don't have shoes, period. So it was really kind of figuring out, you know, what can we do to give back? We can't stop everything we're doing and go over there and live full time and try to do help from the perspective of doing something there on a daily basis. So it was like, what can we do to try to give these people hope? So what it really came about was figuring out, okay, what's a renewable resource that is plentiful everywhere? Over there, they have tires, and there's tires are a problem in the everywhere in the world. Um, Not so just with think, us, okay, yes. <laughs> that's right. So how can we make shoes using tire? But how can we do something that allows them to make their shoes themselves? So that's kind of really how it got started, was just trying to figure out really giving hope traction, trying to help different people. But it specifically came from this village in Uganda is kind of where we started the whole foundation of what we're trying to do. I love that catchphrase or that tagline, give hope traction. It's so descriptive of both of your purposes that you're fulfilling. Now, what was the name of the organization that you all went with or that you all were working with that was doing the other work there in Uganda? So he he is involved with High Adventure. It's a group that does a lot of, of work over there in different parts of the country. So that's who he was part of. Okay. And so you all were just moved by the conditions you saw there, and you kind of sit down and thought, how can we help them? Yes, ma'am. And so what we really tried to do was, okay, we kind of figured out, here's how we can build a shoe. Here's how we can use the tire. But it really took into a lot of time and effort. We've spent about three years really trying to figuring out all the machinery uh, that we have to have, everything so that we can shrink a manufacturing facility down into a 40-foot shipping container. 
and and that's what we've done. So we are continually um, working to improve the machinery. You know, most of it was not really available. So actually separating tires and doing some of the stuff that we do is proprietary equipment that you know we've designed to make that happen. So the end goal is that this 40-foot shipping container has all the equipment necessary to process and make shoes. Now, it's a mobile manu- talk- it's a mobile manufacturing facility. Yes, ma'am. Yes, okay. and it, and basically, you know, for if we talk about the place in Uganda, which I think is where the first one will go, it will just, you know, we'll build it. It'll have all the equipment on there. It will ship over there and it will just sit on the ground. And then they can sell and manufacture right out of that container. So it's been a lot of work. It is a, uh, it's a great thing to think about the vision of where this can go. So when we sell shoes in the United States, what we do, part of our Giving Hope traction is, is that we donate materials, the top part of the shoe, to the micro factories. So today, because we don't have a micro factory up and running just yet, we are actually donating full shoes that we make here. And they are going over to Uganda when people go over there to visit. But the end goal is that we will give them materials. They will then go get and source their own tires and take them into the container, into the manufacturing container. And they will process them just like we do here and and finally assemble the shoes. And then, you know, our hope is, is that they will go sell them and neighboring villages and uh, those kind of things so that they can actually start to earn money and kind of, you know, help create a little economy for themselves, but to to better their lives. Yeah, and create that self-sustainability. It sounds like, too, that perhaps with your program, you all are probably knocking out about three or four of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Certainly, you're recycling or reusing and reducing waste, but you're also helping to impact poverty. Yes, ma'am. That is our goal. To a great degree. So you're killing a lot of birds there with one stone. We're trying. It's a uh, mountain to climb, but we're getting very close to getting the first container done and getting that ship. So we're, we're very excited. You know, and I think it's very important here in the United States. You know, we're processing all these tires. We're taking tires out of local tire shops. We work with our recycler very close to get tires before they finish their process. And so we're doing everything we can to make sure that we're keeping up with the demand for shoes here. And we just want to get the word out. We've really been spending so much time in development of our processes and our end goal with the container and uh, the micro factory. And so now it's time to kind of get to work. Pump up the sales makes a difference. There you go. So let's talk a little bit more, though, about your product. Now, it looks like the soles are 100% recycled rubber tread. Yeah, so it's a tire. So our process is we take a tire, we cut the sidewalls off, and then we actually separate the tread from the steel. So our tread is not very thick. If you look on our website, the Momentum Shoes, it's, it's a women's shoe that we just launched. You know, those shoes as a pair weigh less than a pound and a half. All of your shoes are gorgeous as well. I would wear them all. I'm always oh, showing so I'm always much. showing them to people because I think there's a maybe a preconception that they're not going to be attractive. That is anything but correct. Very attractive, and, colorful shoes. And stylish. And I think that's, 
Yeah, and everybody, you know, that we have talked to, because you think, oh my gosh, there's a tire on the bottom. What? How yep. fashionable can they be? <laughs> um, but they are. They are very fashionable, and and that's one of our goals is to create a fashionable very comfortable shoe. And I think we've accomplished that. We have some more models coming out. But the point what I was trying to make is, is that the piece of the tire that we use is just the tread. So what we leave is a lot of the steel that is great for the recyclers because they can get that steel out and they can sell it. And so we work very close with our recycler and great people great people that we have found. It's a small local company, Kennedale, All-American Tire. They're great people. Is this just done only by this company, or are there a number of companies out there that can or do recycle the, the tread for you? Well, so we just use All-American. There is another company called Liberty Tire Recycling, which is a, um, it's a very, very large organization. So it's just a kind of a thing that this is a small company that, you know, is is new to the industry and just great people to work with. You're making other recruits. So what typically, other than your shoe soles, what typically or what else is done with recycled tire rubber tread? Yeah, so I would say as a general rule, a lot of tire, you know, some of it is burned and some of it is burned for fuel. And that's probably the largest source of old tires is, is that it's getting burned, but it's also, it's not extremely environmentally friendly to burn them. It's so very toxic, I'm told. Yeah, it's very yeah, toxic. So you have to you have to spend a lot of money and energy to clean up the air as you're doing it. So there are people that do a lot of that. A lot of it goes into filler for asphalt and insulation, which is great. So a lot of the roads, they're making breakthroughs and doing a lot more for our roadways and that kind of stuff where they can take the small chunk of rubber and mix it into help with asphalt Some of it still goes to landfills. You know, their estimate, the U.S. alone uses 250 to 300 million tires a year. We're going to go to break really quickly, and we'll come back and finish this up. Thank you so much. We've been talking with Blake Bassett with Step Tire, who makes amazingly beautiful shoes from 100% recycled rubber tread. We also want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, that is EarthX, the world's largest environmental experience, including the annual expo and conference in April, as well as EarthX Film and now EarthX Interactive. Our other sponsor is Natural Awakenings Magazine, the green, healthy, and sustainable living authority for the DFW Metroplex and North Texas communities. Thank you. Welcome back to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio. We're back with Blake Bassett with Step Tire. And Blake does, again, two things. He is taking some of those rubber tires out of our environment and repurposing them to beautiful shoes. But he's also teaching residents of some of our third world countries, Uganda first and hopefully many more in the future, Blake, to fish for themselves. He's creating these amazing mobile manufacturing facilities where those residents of those countries also can remove some of the discarded rubber tires from their environments 
and repurpose them to something usable as well as generate economic development within those communities. So thank you, Blake. This is amazing work that you're doing. Now, we were just talking before the break a little bit about the dangers and the waste that's created from the rubber. Tell us a little bit more about that. Why is rubber such a difficult and dangerous form of waste? Yeah, so I think the real problem with tires is is that they're difficult to dispose of. They're not easy to transport because they're round and they have a lot of void space in them. And because of that large void space, that can hold water, that can, uh, it's a breeding ground for mosquitoes and other disease-carrying animals, but it also causes problems for the landfills because if a tire goes into a landfill as a full tire with all that void space, it can get what they call a float effect. So once it's been buried and covered up by more trash, they can actually rise back up. So that's why a lot of the landfills now will not take them unless they've been split or quartered and shredded. But that also causes a problem of why there's so much illegal dumping of the tires as well. So from a rubber perspective of tires, it's just because of their odd shape and they create a habitat for bad things. Uh, but I think a lot of it is, is part of the burning, and it's, it's, there's a lot of chemicals and everything that go into making a tire. The base product um, for tires is petroleum, correct? Yeah, well, there's and, so a, a tire is, you know, about, if I were to guess, it's about 20% of natural rubber, and then it has a bunch of synthetic rubber, which is, yes, is created from, you know, different chemicals. They have to put in things to prevent damage from the ozone and oxygen, you know, and to promote the curing of the rubber and tires because we all drive on them every day, right? We need to make sure that they are safe and strong when they have steel and then they have carbon black and silica and different fillers in there. So they they seem to contain all of the nasty things we've been talking about over the month of December. As I just mentioned earlier, during the month of December, we had four specific episodes on waste production. One was about e-waste and then the hazardous and toxic chemicals. It seems like these rubber tires really fit into that one. And we we looked at not only the harms that those create on the environment, but a lot of the health impacts that are just in plain sight that many people do not know about. So it is certainly a beneficial thing that you're doing by taking these out of our waste stream. Now, let me ask you this, just one more question, then we'll try to wrap it up here. In North Texas, where are you getting your tires, and do you have any sense of the amounts that you are or the amounts that you anticipate being able to pull out of the waste stream? Yeah, so locally, I get them from local tire shops, but I also get them from uh, my tire recycler. So the way that most of this works today is is that there are different tire haulers that will go to all the tire shops. They will pick up the tires and then they will take them to a recycler or a landfill, depending on you know what they do. So my recycler, All American Tire, who we have a great relationship with, I will go and actually get tires from them that they have picked up at tire shops, and then I will further process them and then take them back to them, and then they will run them through their machines too. And basically, at the end of their process, it's either rubber mulch or steel. It is the most fascinating process. It really is a, it's an amazing process, how you take a, a tire and out at the end of it, 
shoots rubber mulch and out the other side shoots steel that they go and recycle. You take their rubber mulch and that's what you make the shoe soles from, correct? Uh, no, ma'am. So we no, we just use the tread. So the actual tire that you're driving on, the four tires on your car, mm-hmm. um, that tread is actually what is on the bottom of our shoes. Your recycler strips that and then you take that tread, and that's what you make your soles from, correct? No, we actually strip the tires and do everything ourselves. Okay. And then when we're done with our process, we take the, the scrap to the recycler, and then he runs them through his machine in order to complete the recycling. One last process. question, Blake, and then we're going to wrap it up and let you go. From the average tire, how many pairs of shoes can you get approximately? Uh, well, so it averages between six and eight. Six and eight pairs of shoes from a tire. Yeah. That is so cool. Thank you, Blake. We would really like to. We'll probably have you back later on in the year. At that time, you'll have your mobile manufacturing facilities on the ground, too. And we can talk a little bit more about the things that you're seeing as it is put into use. Thank you so much. We've been talking with Blake Bassett of Step Tire, who's doing some amazing work in terms of repurposing rubber tires, as well as helping underprivileged companies learn to do this on their own. Thank you, Blake. Thank you so much. We'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors. That is EarthX, the world's largest environmental experience, including the annual expo and conference in April. There are actually nine conferences, as well as EarthX Film that operates year-round, and now EarthX Interactive. And the other sponsor is Natural Awakenings Magazine, the Green, Healthy, and Sustainable Living Authority for the DFW Metroplex and the North Texas communities. Thank you, sponsors. Welcome back to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio. As we continue this week's episode on waste reduction, zero waste solutions. Our next guest is another local DFW company that's doing some very interesting, exciting, and novel things to help move us toward that state of zero waste that we are all pursuing and that we at some point soon, I hope, must achieve. Our guests are from Turn Compost. We have with us Lauren Clark and Wes Fitch. Lauren is founder of Turn Compost. She's a native Texan, and she's on a mission to make you rethink your urban environment. And the company Turn Compost is one that recycles food and yard waste for businesses and for residents across DFW, and they educate suburbanites on sustainability practices. Lauren is also creator of the Garden to Table to Garden movement that educates urban consumers on how to grow, cook, and recycle their food at home. And West is with Lauren in terms of helping to get things off the ground and work with the clients and customers of TURN. Welcome, you all. We're so glad you could be with us. Thank you so much for having us, and Happy New Year to you. Thank you. You want to start off, Lauren, by telling us how you got started with Turn Compost. What was the thing that said, that turned the light bulb on for you? 
Yeah, great question. Turn began a year and a half ago. I am a local mom, have some passions for cooking and gardening. I myself have been composting for the last 10 years in my home environment. Ended up graduating from culinary school and sort of realizing the problem of food waste um, from a restaurant perspective and then started sort of researching, is anyone really tackling this problem here in, in DFW? And realized there was an opportunity to make a change. So Turn was born on Earth Day 2018, and we have grown quickly and, and grown well. It's been a very exciting journey and really excited about the future. Great, great. Well, we know that the largest contributors to waste are, of course, food number two and yard waste number one, I believe. And so how do you use these? Tell us about the process of composting. For those who've never heard about it or are not familiar with it, tell us about that process. Yeah, you know, scientifically, the process is broken down into four different elements, and they are all organic elements. Compost happens when these organic items break down and they produce a soil product that feeds plants. There are four basic ingredients in compost. There are green things which represent nitrogen sources, brown things that represent carbon sources, water, and air. So food waste is a a green thing. It's a nitrogen source. Yard waste, the typical brown things that you see outside, leaves, mulch, those things are considered carbon sources. So if you think about a recipe, those are the four main ingredients uh, that make compost happen just from a scientific standpoint. And over time, those four things create compost. Well, walk us through, though, how the ordinary person would create composting on their own. About 20 years ago, I have a very long, Mm -hmm. deep backyard, and I don't know if I heard it on television or I read it, but I actually had this little composting thing, and the outline of it is still there, even though it's been years gone. But can you just walk someone through how they could do that? Sure, I'd love to. I actually love teaching about composting and um, have taught anywhere from second graders at an elementary school to really bright engineers at a, a major architecture firm. So, you know, you can be very creative about how you do composting at home. And I tell people that you just want to think about a few different things. One is the amount of time that you have to do it. Um, two is, do you have access to water? Because that's important. And three, what are sort of the constraints you might have with aesthetics and your neighbors, okay? So, you you know, you can do anything from an old school method of just making a heap, like a pile. Um, and actually, that's what large composting facilities do, is they create very, very large piles of these organic materials. And you can also use things like containers. If you're worried about, you know, rodents or vermin, you can build a a simple structure with chicken wire. That's one thing I have in my side yard is to save my leaves in. You can buy a fancier tumbler or container. So there's there's a variety of methodologies. There's things like vermicomposting using worms. That's also very interesting. There's even a composting method using black soldier larvae. That's a way to compost meats and dairies. So I guess my point is everybody needs to decide individually based on your house and what your resources are to determine what is the best methodology. There are many, many different ways of doing it. 
And basically, it's up to your creativity. Right. And and turn takes away all those issues that the individual has to deal with. But I do want to go just a little bit deeper into the process so that people Mm -hmm. really understand exactly what's going on in composting. So let's say I think I had a chicken wire thing. But in any case, you prepare a place for it. Then what do you do? You put leaves, you put dirt, you put worms or just if you can walk us through that so that they can clearly see in their minds what is going on and, and what's happening in that process? Sure. So if, for instance, you had a cylindrical or a square chicken wire container and that was your chosen methodology, uh, what you'd want to do throughout the year is layer those green materials, your food scraps and your brown materials in that container and then water it after you did every layer. And you can turn it if you want to or you can let it just sit there and slowly decompose over time. So, you know, again, depending on how much work you want to put into it, the compost will happen in that container if you're layering your greens and your browns, or you can do a little bit more work and it will turn faster because if you turn it, you're adding that fourth component, which is oxygen, um, and that will make it decompose faster. Okay, so Um, someone who wants to do this can start with a layer of the leaves that they rake up in their yard today or the weekend, right? Yes. So they start with the base of the leaves. They've got a nice maybe half inch or inch or whatever. And then they can begin to add the organic matter or food scraps and food scraps only, right, that that come from their kitchen over the next week. That's right. And then maybe the next weekend when they rake again, they can add another layer of leaves and grass, right? Absolutely. And then they, Absolutely. And then they can turn it. Correct. And then if they want to get fancy, they, they can put some different types of worms in there. You can. You don't have to put worms in there. But, yes, what you're saying is exactly right. <laughs> yeah, um, I, throughout I, all seasons, you can use things in your backyard, the grass, the leaves, the sticks, downed limbs, and just basically keep adding to your, to your compost area. But it's food scraps only. No batteries or, or plastics or anything like that. Food scraps only. Correct, yeah. And we're just talking about organic items, organic, plant-based, nature items, no plastic, <laughs> um, no batteries. I and when it. I say food scraps, also we, we recommend if you're doing this at home to just do plant-based food right. scraps. So no meats and dairies, those things create odors, they attract you know, probably unwelcome visitors to your yard. Yeah, that was my next question is that mm -hmm. this process should not create odors. If it's done correctly, it should not create odors, actually. Finished compost has a nice earthy smell. You know, if you do start to add things that shouldn't be in there or you don't have the right mixture, you might have an ammonia-like odor, but that can also be remedied by turning the pile. So, You know, a lot of people are scared of composting because of the potential smell, but the truth is that if you're doing it correctly, it really shouldn't have an odor. Okay. And so you're eliminating two sources of waste here. You are using the yard waste, the leaves, the grass, clippings, etc. And then you are reusing your food scraps, plant-based food scraps. Now, last thing in terms of this process of composting, then when you've got it all there, what do you do with it? What is typically done with it? What's the most common use for it, the compost, once it's cooked or whatever? Is that what you call it? What, yeah. what do you call the, what do you, is that what you call the process of completed compost cooked? Yeah, there's a certain point at which it reaches maturity, and that is 
sort of a, a scientific point, but for most homeowners, you know, you can measure the temperature, you could get a soil test, all those sorts of things. I don't think it's really necessary. To answer your question about what to do with it, I, I guess I would turn the coin on that and say, what can you not do with it in your yard? <laughs> because there's virtually nothing that you can't put compost on. I put compost back on my vegetable beds. I put it in my landscape beds with my flowers. I put it sometimes on my grass in spots that are dry and patchy and look like they're, they need a little love. It's basically going to be used as a fertilizer of sorts. Well, compost is different from fertilizer because it is a complete spectrum of macro and micronutrients. It is an amazing soil product that has basically everything your soil needs if it's good compost. Fertilizer usually replaces, you know, one or two or three key nutrients that are, might be missing in your soil. Right. So, um, and I'm told it's actually. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I'm told it's very, very good for lawns. One of Natural Awakening's very long-term advertisers called Earth Kind Services does uh, mm-hmm. yard composting. And I've seen all sorts of pictures that show the health of a lawn without anything and with the compost. And then also pictures showing fertilizer, traditional fertilizer, as opposed to the compost. But I think perhaps the most important point they make is that with the compost, it's safe for people and pets. Absolutely. Yeah. And there, you know, there are so many benefits to using compost in your soil. Compost acts as a sponge, so it helps to retain water. It helps to retain nutrients. It can insulate your plants with another organic um, layer, you know, for to protect from extreme temperatures. So, you know, the, the benefits are countless. And in fact, if you're using compost in your home landscape, you really shouldn't hardly ever or ever need to purchase fertilizer. So, you know, an argument can be made that you are actually saving money by not having to purchase these expensive amendments. Saving money and saving the environment. Now, quickly, Lauren, what are the specific health benefits to compost? Well, you know, a lot of people would say there's a good connection with the quality of our soil to the quality of our plants. And that the quality of our plants that create better food and that better food feeds our, you know, feeds us. So I think there is a case to be made for better soil, healthier soil, and then better quality food. Okay. And I remember Um, very specifically, too, all during the month of December, we were dealing with the environmental issue of waste production. And one of our scientists, uh, and we had a conversation about that, mentioned that compost actually helps with carbon. I think it puts carbon back into the atmosphere, which I had no idea of, but he, he talked to us about that. So I said, oh, it has some unknown health yeah. benefits. Yeah. Exactly. Well, there's, you know, food waste, a couple, couple of things on that. Food waste in a landfill creates methane gas, which is a horrible greenhouse gas, and I'm going to pass the baton to to Wes in a second to talk about, you know, how much of our our trash is actually organic waste. But the EPA and the USDA and everything like since the UN environment has said that reducing food waste is one of the most basic ways that we can help our environment because it will reduce those greenhouse gases. Let me just ask you, though, because we we need to wrap up really briefly and you guys can just kind of jump in. Tell us how TURN helps people with that. They can know that their food waste is going to a good benefit. They now have a sense of the composting process. So tell us what you do and how you do it at TURN. Sure. So we are 
in a nutshell, we're a subscription service for the environment, okay? So think about we all love our Netflix subscriptions. We love our food delivery subscriptions. We, we love all these everyday convenience services. Turn has created an everyday convenience service that helps people recycle. Um, and it rewards them for doing that. So for a monthly fee, we can pick up your food waste every week and your yard waste if you'd like. Or you can drop it off at one of our community locations, and then we take that waste and we turn it into compost, or we donate it to farms and gardens that are able to feed their animals or use it for compost. It's a membership organization, so all of our members have benefits. We weigh everything. Everyone gets a quarterly household impact report. And then we also reward our customers through uh, monthly perks. So we try to pull in local businesses and items related to sustainability and food cycle and offer those as a, a benefit for paying for the service. So it's uh, a very needed it, service and certainly hats off to you for the novelty of it, but primarily for developing something that addresses a very specific need, not just for the individual, but for society and most of all for our environment. So people sign up to be a TURN member and they pay a monthly fee. And I guess you and they decide upon the date at which you will either pick up their food and or yard waste, or they can take it somewhere. That's correct. Yeah, all the information on our description levels can be found on our website, turncompost.com. We are the logistics side of things. We provide you the bins. We provide you a clean bin every week. The same goes for all of our restaurant and our office clients. So, you know, an important part of what we're doing is helping at a larger scale, larger volumes of food and organic waste stay out of the landfill. So we service corporate offices, we service restaurants, and, and that is also something extremely important for the environment. Not just the household waste and that change, but you know companies and the food industry in general that is trying to go more zero waste. Now, Lauren, what do you all do with the compost that you make, or do you take it to a very large or commercial composting site? So you're, you're the... One of the major benefits that you are doing and the service you're providing is by collecting this or providing a place of collection for individuals. So what do you do once it's collected? What do you do with it? Yeah, we, we divert in three different ways. The first is actually we are able to produce our own compost because through our residential program, we collect only vegetative food scraps. And so we create compost that we give back to our members twice a year. So that's one of the ways we divert. Secondly, we donate the scraps to farms and gardens locally that can either use it to make their own compost or feed their animals. A couple of those are Bonton Farms, Texas Worm Ranch, Chandler Family Farms. The Growing Place out in Hearst is a wonderful community garden that we're donating our food scraps to. The third way is that we, we do haul uh, to commercial facilities if we are accepting a broader spectrum of organic waste like meats and dairies, you know, bones and things like that. So those things are transported to a commercial facility. Okay, for them to do whatever it is they do with it. Right. Those things have to reach a certain temperature, and they have to, you have to be permitted to compost those items. So, you know, anything at that scale, we, we work with uh, the commercial facilities on that. Okay. So what is the price range of your subscription? Wes, do you want to take that yeah, sure. So, yeah, we have we have our drop-off program for residents, which is going to be a $20 a month fee. We have our basic 
home pickup service, which is going to start at $35 a month. And then we also have a premium pickup service, which includes yard waste once a month for $50. So for $50, they can get yard waste picked up once a month and then the organic material weekly. Yes. Okay. And then for that, they're getting, your members are getting some type of perks, which are always nice. And then I believe you said, Lauren, that was it twice a year, the members can get some compost for their use as well. Is that? That's correct. Okay. Well, that is a very interesting service, but I'm just really impressed because you are meeting a need out there that's not being met in terms of everyday people's convenience, but again, also the convenience for the environment and helping us move more and more towards that zero waste state that we want to and actually must get to. So thank you very much. I'd also like to share with our listeners that Turn Compost does have a promo for them, and that is 10% off of their residential pickup program for the first quarter of 2020. That is 20% off for January, February, and March. And the code is HLHP2020. And we will have that posted on our website as well as push it out a little bit. Thank you for doing that. And hopefully this will be an encouragement for a larger number of people to begin to do the composting. Lauren, I believe you said you do community education as well. So I know there's some opportunities maybe for individuals or groups perhaps to call up on you to do some more in-depth or one-on-one education about how one gets involved with composting. Absolutely, yeah. We would love to hear from you if you're interested in a class for your business or your school or just for your community group. We've taught a wide variety of classes. I love teaching it, and it is definitely a good time. I bring some worms. I, I bring, you know, all sorts of interesting, fun <laughs> things that people really enjoy getting up close and, and feeling and touching. So please reach out to us at turncompost.com if you're interested in booking a class with us. And we'll have that on our website as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for what you're doing for the environment, as well as your service to people and helping them to be able to positively impact the environment. And thank you for being with us today. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Healthy Living, Healthy Planet Radio today. The conversation starts here, but our goal is for it to continue in your home, in your social circles, at your workplaces, and in the grocery checkout line so that we can all work together to realize that healthy living is simply not possible without a healthy planet.